I'm back. Better late than never. Your boy Bill T is here to help you get through this social distancing and this possible extra time off that you've got this week or two coming up. So on this episode of Let's Talk Dubs, I'm practicing some social distancing myself and I'm bringing to you guys a list of things that you can keep doing throughout this time to help you stay focused on your VW We'll also go to the mailbag, see what we got in our emails, and read some emails to you guys from some of our listeners and suggestions that they have also during these funky times. But don't get bummed out. Stay positive. Focus your efforts and energy on your project or your VW lifestyle and how you can further some of those passions and things that you have that you've been wanting to get into and never had enough time to do it. This could be the blessing in disguise. So without any further ado, guys, let's get into it on this episode of Let's Talk Dubs. Well, guys, we're here, and it's that time, the time for another podcast. So I'm going to give you today a list of things that would keep you definitely occupied and get you caught up on the things that you've been wanting to do for your VW hobby. So one of the things that I wanted to go through in the list is reading. I'm not a big reader. I know some of you guys may not be big readers, and some of you guys are big readers. But me, I'm not a big reader. But because of the podcast, I've had the fortunate opportunity for people to send me some stuff, and uh, I've had some time to sit down and read a couple things. One of the things that I did read, there's a new book out by a guy named Paul Wilson, and Paul Wilson writes a book called Bad Karma, The True Story of a Mexican Surf Trip from Hell. Now, you wonder why I'm talking about a surf trip from hell. Well, in this book, he talks about the Wonder Bus. The Wonder Bus was his prize vehicle that he had. It was a 66 VW uh, camper bus. And he takes this bus on this journey down into Mexico, and it's an insane story. I mean, it's just like, it almost seems too good to be true. One of the interesting things about the book is, in the beginning of the book, he talks about how he's a guy just trying to fit in with this bunch of really cool surfer guys, and that's how he gets on this trip to Mexico. But interestingly enough, the wedge that gets him in there is his VW bus. And like for a lot of us that are enthusiasts, our VW bus becomes the conduit in which we create some relationships and then we have some experiences and whatnot. So it's a great book. Matter of fact, I'm going to read you guys a little insert from the book so you guys can get fired up a little bit. That's specifically related to his VW bus. They were each a few years older than my 21. Moose was a master manipulator. I'm guessing it was his idea and I was roped in from the beginning. They let me overhear them planning their trip, knowing I'd do just about anything to be included. Turns out, neither of them had a vehicle that would make this trip. I learned later, they tried the same ruse on everyone else in the manor who owned a vehicle that would suffice, and I literally was the last viable option in the building. They played me like pros. I assured them my 1966 VW bus was perfect for the trip. It had a killer stereo with six speakers, twin amplifiers, and a subwoofer powerful enough to make silverware dance on the flip-up table that held my stove. I had harvested the chili bin portion of an old mini fridge and modified it as a hidden ice box under the custom-made full-size bed. My bus was so cool, it even had a name and a custom license plate. 1DRBUS, a.k.a. The Wonder Bus. Too naive to realize I was being used as a convenient tool, I laid it on thick, a car salesman, 
hungry to make a quota, couldn't have been more persuasive, nor been more stoked when the sale was closed. Not only was I being included on the trip, it was my bus that was making it possible. If this didn't garner me top-tier status, it was beyond my reach. That's just a little excerpt from the book. Uh, it's been a great read, man. It's super detailed. It's got a lot of continuity into our VW scene, especially in regards to how his bus performs and some situations that they end up in the middle of that we've all found ourselves in the middle of with a little extra layer of being in a foreign country, a little bit of drug cartel, a little bit of crazy weather, a little bit of uh, a, a lot of crazy stuff. So it's definitely been a, a fantastic read. I love the book and uh, I'd advise you guys to go out and get it and probably get it on Amazon. I'll put a link at the bottom of this podcast where you can purchase the book. Again, the book's called Bad Karma, A True Story of a Mexican Surf Trip from Hell. And the author is Paul Wilson. And I'll get Paul on the podcast. I uh, figure I'll let you guys get a few of these uh, books under your belt and uh, and read. So that way when I get Paul on the podcast, you guys may want to send some questions in. And uh, we'll ask some specific questions related to the book. So definitely a great read, man. And it's totally something you guys all have the time to do now. Now, my next book that I wanted to talk about was the How to Keep Your Volkswagen Alive. A lot of us have this book laying around our shop. We've got it when we purchased a car or, uh, you know, somebody gave it to us to help us figure out how to work on the car. And it's always just been such a great book to go through and review, you know, some of the mechanical things and whatnot um, that we can do to our cars. I found it really helpful because, you know, with uh, with John Muir being a mechanic, you know, he's got the ability to explain to you how to do the do the part or do the repair specifically, and then basically it's going to be your labor. Um, if you guys don't have this book, I'd suggest you pick one up. You can pick them up used. Usually I end up getting them every time I buy a uh, a vehicle. So I've got several different copies of it. Uh, I've got the spiral bound one. I've got the the uh, stiff back one. So definitely several of those. And uh, what's interesting is as I was going through it this morning preparing for the podcast, I grabbed my copy and I was just kind of reviewing it. And I dig all the drawings from Peter Ashwan that are in there. He did all the detailed uh crazy drawings with the guy sitting there dreaming and his whole car's blown apart in pieces and it's pretty accurate detail. Um, but, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely been a great book and I wanted to remind you guys of how good this book is. And what I thought would do that is to set the tone for how this, how this book is, um, read his introduction to the book because the introduction of the book really kind of lays out the hippie vibe of the book that it was. And so in the introduction of the How to Keep Your Volkswagen Alive, I'll give you the specific title exactly. It's How to Keep Your Volkswagen Alive, a manual of step-by-step procedures for the complete idiot uh, by John Muir. And so um, I'll read you the introduction, which is pretty cool. So in the introduction it says, Kindly come to terms with your ass, for it bears you. Your Volkswagen is not a donkey but the communication considerations are similar. Your car is constantly telling your senses where it's at, what it's doing, and what it needs. I don't speak donkey, but I'm fairly conversant in Volkswagen and will help you learn the basic vocabulary of this language so your bus, bug, or guia 
can become an extension of your own sensory equipment. Perhaps the idea of feeling about your car's little is a little strange, but herein lies a type of rapport which will bridge the communication gap between you and your transportation. I'm a man, engineer, mechanic, lover feeler who has worked and felt with cars of all descriptions for many years. This book contains the product of these years, clear and accurate procedures to heal and keep well your Volkswagen. I don't expect you to become a mechanic. I have done that. My understanding and knowledge will be yours as you work. You supply the labor. The book will supply the direction. So we work as a team, you and I. While the levels of logic of the human entity are many and varied, your car operates on one simple level, and it's up to you to understand its trip. Talk to the car, then shut up and listen. Feel with your car. Use all your receptive senses, and when you find out what it needs, seek the operation out and perform it with love. The type of life your car contains differs from yours by time scale, logic level, and conceptual anomalies, but as life nonetheless. Its karma depends on your desire to make and keep it alive. So that's the introduction to John Muir's book, um, How to Keep Your Volkswagen Alive for the Complete Idiot. And in regards to, you know, when I started working on Volkswagens, that was the main thing that gave me the courage to start working on my own Volkswagen. So if any of you guys are out there just getting into the hobby, um, I, I would definitely advise getting this book because one of the things that's pretty brutal when you first get a Volkswagen is some of the things that happen because these cars you've usually been passed around from person to person is a lot of stuff hasn't been done properly. Things will, uh, you know, come up on you as you drive, you'll, you'll get your 40 minutes of excitement driving this car down the road. And the next thing you know, she dies or sputters on the side of the road. And, uh, the way he's got the book broken down is just really, really helpful to go through and figure it out. Um, it saved me a ton and it gave me a lot of insight. You know, some of us got, uh, got stuck. You know, my mom had the Greek mechanic since we were Greek. She, everybody she dealt with was Greek in business. And so I had this Volkswagen bug, I had the 69 bug and, uh, the thing kept dying on me, man, no matter what. So I had to take it to Stavros. Mom says, take it to Stavros. So every time I took it to old boy Stavros, now, mind you, at the time I'm making about 400 bucks a week, and every time I take it to him, it's 250, no matter what. 250. Every time I show up, it's 250. And uh, I took it there because the car kept dying as I was driving the freeway, and uh, the bill was 250. I picked the car up and then uh, start driving home, and sure enough, it dies again. <laughs> so there was 250 down the drain, and then I finally just started thinking I'm working on these things myself. Come to find out, it was a kinked fuel line that uh, was under the gas tank. So. Over time, you'd start driving, and then uh, it would eventually stop supplying fuel because I'm sure I was driving. This car had a stinger, so that meant there was two throttle positions, idle and wide open. So uh, it wasn't long before the thing would leave me on the side of the road. And uh, this book helped me figure out a lot of these little details, and it's super helpful, man. The detail that, that has in this book, the exploded drawings, and the way he walks you through the procedures. If you're Volkswagen is stock, I'm confident if you've got basic mechanical ability if you grab one of these books and you go through the specific section he's talking about 
you know, he'll help you figure out how to work on it. And the confidence that you gain by working on your own car enables you to be able to take your car out on further distance road trips or be able to just enjoy it and know that if something happens, you can get it back on the road. So I'd encourage you new guys out there that are just getting in the VWC and grab a copy of this book and, uh, and go through it and, you know, gain that confidence yourself that you can fix and repair and keep your own car on the road because they're really basic machines. And, uh, like he says, they just need a little bit of love and you got to listen to what they have going on. So that's number one, number two. So now it's time to get in your garage and start working on some of those long-term projects. This week as uh, work slowed down quite a bit for me. Um, I've been coming home early, pretty early, and trying to get a hold on some things. Now, unfortunately, your boy Bill's got a wide, varied collection of automotive passions. And a lot of my automotive passions, once they get to a level of uh, me not having the time to work on them, they go on the shelf. And uh, luckily, when I built a space to put my cars, I built enough space to have a lot of shelves. So I have a lot of, I have a lot of projects staring me in the face. One of the ones I've been waiting to work on for a long time is my uh, 65 Buick. Had some pulley issues with it with an aftermarket uh, pulley setup on there. And then finally just bit the bullet and ordered this new serpentine setup to get it on the road. This week, George T. came over. My boy Sean Judd showed up. Uh, we did some uh, We did some social distancing while we worked on the car. Sean kind of uh, floated over towards the corner making smart, smart aleck remarks. George uh, came over to help, but to quickly took charge of what was going on, and uh, and I was there uh, assisting and helping getting some things going. And then I finished up trying to work on it yesterday a little bit, and of course uh, there was uh, a couple things. No good deed goes unpunished. So now that I go to change this belt system and put these this new serpentine setup on there, now my electric fans are a little too close for my comfort going back together. So there's definitely. Uh, anytime you do anything aftermarket, there's always going to be some before and after ancillary stuff that you're going to need. Um, nothing is as simple as buy it and bolt it on, but that's why we love the challenge. So, um, I would suggest that you go through, especially right now is a great time to get a bunch of cleaning supplies and pull your car apart and detail it. You've been wanting forever to go through, pull the carpet out, get rid of that funky musty odor and, uh, clean your pans or even take something that, that that takes the time. Because right now, obviously, while nobody's got money coming in, the best thing to do is work on existing projects. Parts and pieces that you've got sitting in the garage, grab them, take your time, and go through them. And, and one of the things that I found that's been super helpful, helpful for me is as I'm getting ready to approach a project like this morning, I'm going to be out here in my garage, and I'm going to make a list of all the things, all the cars, and the specific things that they need. And then I'm going to make a plan of attack as to how I'm going to get through these things. Because one of the biggest demotivating factors for me when I get out in the garage is I get all fired up, ready to go to work, walk out in the garage, and I'm I'm, I'm two things into my project, and then I'm missing this part or that piece. And it's like it's all blown apart. So now I leave my garage open, my tools spread out, and then I hop in my car, and I run down to the auto parts store, and I get this, and I buy that, and I do whatever. And then, of course, I think like most of us, I walk in uh, with a <laughs> I walk in with this sense of obligation that I should buy something. It may be from growing up broke and looking like a thief every time I was someplace, but I think when I walk into an auto parts store, even if they don't have something that I need, 
uh, I buy something else. Uh, my brother and I went uh, yesterday. We were buying a fuel pump. And as I'm standing there at the counter, I grab a Hot Wheels. They had some single cab buses. <laughs> so I grab a Hot Wheels, throw that on the counter. And then I'm like, oh, let's get uh, some of this, some of that. Uh, and that was that was actually day before yesterday. Yesterday when I went to the auto parts store, I went to go pick up a, a specific a, a specific size belt. They didn't have it. And while I'm standing there in line, I, I picked up some rubber gloves that I needed for shop gloves. And they've got them in the back, obviously, because everybody's gone full-blown tarred right now. And they're out just buying a bunch of everything that they don't need. And so uh, I pick up uh, some rubber gloves, some rubber uh, shop gloves to work on the car with. But, yeah, you'll want to make sure you make a list. Go through the list as detailed as you can and... Uh, and put all the parts and pieces you're going to need and even maybe some extra supplies. If it's going to be brake fluid or glass cleaner or brake parts cleaner or uh, engine degreaser or whatever the case is. I mean, those are things that we got time for right now. And they're definitely um, some of the things that are going to, when everything kind of situates back to normal. I mean, here's the deal. When this is all done, let <laughs> me quote Joe Biden, here's the deal. When this is all done, I think a lot of us are going to have a couple cars uh, that are going to be dialed in a little bit and be hitting the street. So hopefully uh, I'll get a couple cars here dialed in and back on the road instead of just sitting here on the shelf or on the car rack in the garage just immobilized. Uh, they'll be back on the road because I've got the time to get them put back together. So that's uh, thing number two that you guys should do um, is get into some of those projects that you've been putting off that you've had parts and pieces and you know, if you guys are like me, I've got things on the shelf that I bought three, four years ago that was a project that I was going to work on. And, uh, you know, as soon as I get a free weekend, I'm going to do this. And it seems that we always fill up our weekends. Matter of fact, today I made a commitment just because I've been so busy lately. Somebody invited me on a side-by-side -side ride this morning and they're like, hey man, come out. We're going to leave at like 930. And I'm just like, yeah, I should go. And then I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to enjoy my time off and, and go through my garage. And I still got, I mean, I could be in my garage for days and still never get the place cleaned up because I've got a little bit of ADHD where I go from one thing to the other and start work. I go out to work on the car and next thing you know, uh, I'm, I'm detailing the, uh, the cross member underneath the car, wiping it down. And I'm supposed to be working on something else. And here I am. I, I found this parts covered in caked on grease. And I was like, ah, I should try this new cleaner. <laughs> and then I'm sitting there spending 10 minutes on it. My wife, my sweet wife comes out to the garage to support me. She's like, what are you doing? I thought you were working on this. And I'm like, yeah, but I wanted to see how this cleaner works. So, um, it's good. Maybe sometimes if you got a wife, that's awesome enough to come out and support you in the garage. Maybe she can smack in line and keep you focused. So make your list. Go through. If you've got core motors, stuff like that, that'd be a great thing to go through right now. Break them all down. Clean up all the parts. Um, maybe some of you guys need to store some of this oil for heating. Uh, you never know. Uh, but right now, we're getting into springtime. So uh, matter of fact, uh, I think the 21st is the first day of spring. So, um, But go through that stuff. And number three. Number three is the secret passion of mine that I've had forever. As all fine car collectors do, and especially VW people, when you buy a Volkswagen, you don't just get the Volkswagen. You get that Volkswagen. You get the prominence. You get the history. 
And on top of everything else, you get all the parts they got for it too. So if you're like any VW collector, you've got a jack load of parts, man. And since you've got all these parts right now, right now, since you've got some time, get a camera set up, get a laptop set up, and put a bench out there and take some time and start listing stuff for sale. All the stuff you said you're going to sell, all the stuff that your wife looks at and goes, why do you have that crap? And you're like, girl, step back. All this stuff's worth big money. Um, right now would be the time to list some of those things for sale. It's going to do two things. It's going to spur the economy a little bit, plus going to give people hope. Because right now, that dirty, dingy part that's sitting in your garage you're looking at, there's somebody out there on the other end of the Samba, somewhere around the world, that's looking for that part or piece. You want me to tell you how I know? Because I had a stereo that <laughs> I've got a bad habit. And I don't know. You guys post up on the Let's Talk Dubs Facebook page. Let me know how many of you guys have this terrible hobby. I buy something and then I keep the box it came in and I put the takeout part inside that box. Yeah, kind of ridiculous, right? So oh, longer than I've been married 20, 20 years. Longer than I've been married when I met my wife, I had a I had a twin turbo 300 ZX and I had the stair, I had the box of, for the Alpine that I put in there. Of course, because if you guys are stereo heads like me, Alpine's the only way to go for head units. So obviously I had to take out and put the Alpine in there. And then I put inside this box, the original factory uh, Nissan radio that came in the twin turbo. And then I'm sitting there one day in my garage, <laughs> one day in my garage, I was certain I was working on something completely different. And then a stroke of genius hit me. I said, you know what? I'm selling this stereo. So I take this stereo out. I put it up in there. I look I look it up. And I'm going to walk you through the process that I go through because you guys should do the same thing. I pull the stereo out and I'm like, cool. All right. Here's the part number. Here's the piece. Here's the whatever. You know, I don't know. It, it was like a Hitachi brand, but it's an OEM radio. And so I type in the, the, the name and serial number in eBay, which is always a good thing to do. And I look and it's like, dude. 350 bucks for a refurbished one of these. I'm like, man, this thing's worth a lot of money. And then I brought myself back down to reality because right now it sounds like the guys that I talked to that I'm buying stuff off of. All of a sudden I was in cyberspace saying these things sell for 350 bucks when one was listed for 350 bucks. So I thought to myself, well, there's millions of users on eBay and I have held on to the stereo because there was clearly some value that I saw in it. Is that value $350? I will let the free market decide. <laughs> so I listed on there with a starting price of $50. And guess what it sold for? $50. So instead of sitting there wrestling myself, trying to convince myself that this thing is worth $350 because there's one listed, I thought I'll gladly sell it for $50. Of course, the guy I was selling it to was in Spain. So there was all this crazy communication <laughs> that had to take place. And he's sending me stuff through WhatsApp. I'm converting it in Google Translate. And then I'm talking back to him and we're going back and forth. Long story short, I sold it for 50 bucks. It cost the guy 80 bucks to ship it. So I was happy to get rid of it. But the reality is if you guys look around in your garage like that, if you look around in your garage like that, you guys like me have tons and tons of ancillary cash sitting there. Now would be a good time to sell those things. Listen, trust me, sell it today if you need it or want it or if you have uh, something that's for a 67 bug and one day you're going to buy a 67 bug and that piece is going on it. 
you're better off to sell it today, let somebody else get some use out of it, and then buy it when you're down the road and you have a 67 bug. But today, there's no better time than right now to go online, list some of your parts and pieces for sale. And the, the way I'd list them is I'd list them multiple ways. I'd list them on Craigslist. I'd list them on um, Facebook. And then I'd list them on the Samba, right? So I'd, I'd take those three platforms is where I'd list those things for sale. Now I'm going to give you the key in selling crap online, okay? You can listen to anybody else you want or you listen to me. I'm going to steer you down the right path. <laughs> what I know how to do is sell. And if you're going to sell something, it's a short and sweet description, but focus on the features and benefits of said product you are selling. Don't just put, you know, uh, ashtray for 67 bug. Why is it an ashtray for 67 bug? Because an ashtray for 67 bug is like a one-year-only ashtray. You'll describe that in the ad. One-year-only ashtray for 67 bug. It's this type, like this, like that, end of story, and it's sold. Therefore, you can maybe justify the price you're asking for it. My assessment is, if you guys have those parts and you're looking to sell them, let's say 67, 67 bus ashtray, right? If you've got a 67 bus ashtray, you go on the Samba, you see what, what everyone's asking for them, and then here's a crazy concept. List yours for less so that you can actually sell it. That's what I would do because I'm trying to sell it. I'm not trying to put my parts online to display them so people know that I have a lot of parts. I'm trying to sell it. So a lot of people get lost in the focus of what they're, you know, like, um, oh, well, this is worth this and I can't, I can't sell it for, you know, it's worth a hundred bucks. I'm not selling it for 75. I'm gonna explain this to you. If it's still sitting on the shelf in your garage, you've gotten zero dollars for it, okay? Selling it for a good price does two things. It stops you from being one of those DBs that's on the Samba, that's demanding top quality dollar for something that you paid next to nothing for. Now listen, a lot of us get into bad deals and we pay too much for some things and it's just the way it goes, right? That doesn't justify that you should sell it for 400 because you paid 400 for it and it's worth 200. If it's worth 200, put 200 bucks in your pocket. Get rid of it, move on, cleanse your life of these things that are sticking to you. You know, um, my advice is always, if I'm trying to sell something, I'm trying to sell something. Now, if I'm really proud of something and it's super rare and I have to find the right buyer, that's a different story. But, well, I'll give you a perfect example. So I've got an NOS Type 34 Gia uh, speedometer, right? So I have this um, speedometer and I've listed it a few years back for 400 bucks. It didn't sell. I didn't care. I just listed it for 400 bucks. I figured, ah, somebody might want it. So that's the way to look at that, right? Like if you don't care and you just want to list it for crazy, I'll give, give you another example. I have a Gene Bird motor, 1800 CC motor. That's, I've got all this receipts. The thing's got less than a couple thousand miles on it. I listed it for 15 grand, kind of high, pretty high, but I thought it is all Gene Berg motor. I have all the receipts and there was next to no miles on it. And it's from brand new case to heads, to machine in 88s, to the Berg heavy pulley, like all stuff and all the receipts from 1988 because the guy that I bought it from gave me the receipts, told me the story. And for me, I had the motor in my car, drove around for a little bit, and I thought, 
basketball. I don't care if I sell this or not. Maybe somebody's out there. Let me throw this out there for 15 grand. And if somebody calls and I get some dialogue, well, that's a different story. So you never know. I mean, it all depends on your purpose. But right now, based on the current conditions of what's going on right now, I would suggest that you guys would take your parts that you have sitting around that you could take it or leave it. You don't really need them. You're not saving them for a project. Throw them online. Put them online for a good price. Sell them. Put some money in your pocket. You never know. During this long period of time that you may have off, some of us it could be long, some of us it could be short, but might as well load things up online, put a few bucks in your pocket, make some space in your garage. So that is thing number three. Item number four. So the the fourth thing that you can do during this extra time that you have is take an inventory of everything that you have. A lot of times we sit around and we need a part or a piece. We've got a friend that needs a part or a piece, and we know that we've got it somewhere, but we have no idea where it's at. Uh, while you have some extended time to do some of your spring cleaning, you can go through your existing parts hoard of what you have and catalog everything that you have and try to organize it by size and type and location. So all your fuel pumps or fuel system things, intake manifolds, carburetors, uh, air cleaners, all that stuff could be in one bin and then break it all down by, you know, drivetrain specific components, but make a list. And this way, when you need a part or a piece, you know that you have it. I mean, unless you've got friends like I do that just come over and take stuff like Scott Moses does. Um, I usually have most of myself kind of bundled together. All my carburetors and intake manifolds and carb linkages and stuff like that are all in one location. And then when I needed some 48 linkage, I go to my trusty shelf where all my stuff's at. And guess what? It's missing. Why is it missing? Because my boy Scott Moses decided to come over to my house and help himself to some 48 linkage. And then he took it home, didn't use it, and then left it on his shelf. And then when I needed it, it was a whole situation. So, yeah, never let your friends live it down. Uh, that could be item you know, number uh, 14. But right now we're talking about just organizing your stuff and sorting it so that you can access those things when you need them. Right now, since everybody's got extra food storage supplies and things like that, if you've got uh, Ziploc bags, stuff like that, come out to your garage and you can sort, bag, and tag stuff. Even if it's just extra things that you have, at least this way you can start to get things organized and cleared out um, and put them in a manner where you you can access them. But I think most importantly, since we all have these digital devices in our pocket, make a list specifically pertaining to, you know, crate number one, is going to have this part, that piece, and whatever the case is. Uh, for example, I went to Pomona Swap Meet a few years back. This was probably six years ago. And I took a bunch of parts and pieces of things that I was going to sell. And somehow between now and then, and I'm not really sure what happened, I had a Petri horn ring that I'm not really sure what happened to because when I brought all my stuff back from Pomona, um, I don't remember what crate I put it in and... I don't know if I sold it. I'm not sure if I sold it. And I usually kept a list when I would sell stuff at Pomona. But somewhere, somehow, in my garage, floating around is a Petri horn ring, and I haven't found it. But uh, who knows? I could have I could have sold it. I mean, I should look at my page when uh, I went to Pomona last because I made a list of all the things that I was selling so that, you know, it's hard to keep track when you're at the swap meet when you're selling stuff because you're constantly buying stuff. So it's, it's hard to, you know, you'll drive to the swap meet and you'll come back home and you've got the exact same amount of money. It's a mystery. <laughs> and it usually happens because every free chance you get, you're running out to go buy some crap that you may or may not need. So 
uh, yeah, definitely keep a list, a detailed list in your digital device of which crate and then label your crates. It'll make it a whole lot easier going through next time when you need specific parts or pieces or like all of us do when you're that friend that's got that part or piece that a friend needs, you're able to access it pretty quickly and get it to them. So that is thing number four, going through your garage, bag tag, catalog, and organize everything that you have. It's also super helpful. I had a friend not too long ago, uh, passed away. And when he passed away, uh, his wife has an airplane hanger full of parts and like the stress put on her because a, she didn't know what anything was worth and B, uh, couldn't even wrap her arms around everything. And so, um, you know, heaven forbid something like that happened, but you know, I I think there's always that saying, like my biggest fear is if I die and my wife sells everything for what I told her I paid for it. Um, you may want to put the actual value and also for future reference, if you ever have heaven forbid a fire or anything like that, not to try to keep this, I'm not trying to bum you guys out, but I'm just saying the, the plus side of this is if you have any of this stuff cataloged or organized, if there's a fire theft or loss, you actually have a detailed organized list and there's no better time than right now to do it. So, um, that would be thing number four. Thing number five to do during this uh, social distancing phase that you have right here. I was half tempted to start <laughs> a Facebook page uh, called Forget This Stuff, F This S. Uh, I'm going on a strip cruise, and <laughs> I figured it would be the best time to cruise the strip. Unfortunately, I think that may be a little bit illegal, but I almost thought to myself, if uh, – if a guy's had walkie-talkies, which I have uh, some emergency walkie-talkies, and I know a lot of guys that have side-by-sides, they come with the extra handheld walkie-talkie that have the extra channels that are on there for the race guys. No reason why uh, you couldn't go on a little cruise in your car. Um, I think later today I may run down the strip in the carbon cab and get some video of what the strip looks like completely desolate just so uh, everybody has an idea. But I would be hard pressed to believe that no one's down there right now because even going there on Thursday with my brother, we just happened to drive down Las Vegas Boulevard, which is like the last street you ever use in Vegas. We drove down there just to cruise through, uh, just check out the status and whatnot. And it was just a trip to see the hotels all closed down, uh, barricades in front of the doors and, uh, and a cop car out in front of every, uh, every hotel and casino. But on a brighter note, Now's a perfect time for you and your city to go take a cruise. Now, if you happen to have maybe a couple buddies and you guys were going to uh, a destination and back and everybody kept their social distance, not that I would advise for it, but listen, you can't, uh, you can't crawl in a hole. So a good opportunity right now is take your family out for a little cruise. If you've got a couple cars, that's even better Then you can get, you know, your wife to drive one, you drive the other and mob the kids around, take, take everybody out, go on a little cruise and go to, uh, I know my family and I would like to take a little drive and go up to uh, Red Rock or we'll go out to Lake Mead. We'll make some sandwiches and stuff here at the house and then head out for a little cruise. And if your stuff's dialed in and running right, it will be an enjoyable cruise. Now, if it's not, and you're kind of sketch, <laughs> don't do it. Don't roll out there. If your stuff's kind of sketch and uh, haphazard or make sure that you've got, uh, um, make sure that you've got plenty of provisions, fuel, cars running right. You know, you don't want to be like Bill T stuck on the side of the road, no gas and thinking you've got bigger problems than that. So 
do an enjoyable cruise with your family, uh, go on a drive, maybe go see some sights in your city. Recently, uh, I thought back to, um, I had some guests staying with us from out of the country and I decided, oh, I should take them over here. And I thought, wait a second, I've never taken my kids over there either. I'm a bad father. And actually not really, they didn't really care to go, but, uh, there's lots of stuff to see locally that you could take your classic VW on a little cruise. Not to mention the fact that it's a, it listen, it's a triple bonus. One, you get to start working on indoctrinating your children to be forced into loving old air cooled vehicles, uh, family and friends. Uh, two, um, you get to bring the world a little bit of happiness because there is nobody that when I'm cruising in my cars, man, that doesn't get stoked when they see something like that. And especially in a time like this, I think right now, cause people are so, you know, touchy on, you know, the future of everything. There's nothing cooler than, you know, I think you get a classic vehicle like that and then it just kind of makes you feel uh, pretty stoked when you see an old car, you know, it, I, and it's always one of those things where, you're in a regular setting, you're in a business setting, whatever the case is, and boom, you see a classic car. You know, you're at work or whatever, and somebody brings a hot rod there or an old bug or something like, whoa, that's cool, you know, kind of changes the tempo for the day. So take your classic car out for a cruise, bring a little bit of happiness in this world, indoctrinate your children into being into old classic cars, teach them absolute survival. And how is this? by being able to drive a stick shift. There's a whole generation of millennials out there that are unable to drive stick shifts. So don't let your kids be one of those kids. Take your kids out and teach them how to drive. It'd be a great opportunity to teach them how to drive a stick shift right now. Uh, streets are pretty desolate. So everybody staying, staying inside, uh, you know, teach your kids how to drive a stick shift right now. Go on a family cruise. And uh, again, I'll shoot some video of Vegas Boulevard, how things are looking. And... Uh, Maybe do a companion video to this podcast of some of the things that I suggest. So, um, But that is item number five to do during this time when you've got some extra free time. That was a part of the show when we do this shout out. So first shout out is to uh, Blanton, the Texas VW man, posts on our podcast review page for Apple. On Apple Podcasts, he posts, uh, I listen to, the VW, to this VW podcast all the time. It is the greatest VW podcast out on the internet. You won't regret taking a listen. Can't wait for the next new podcast episode. Great job on the podcast, Bill T. So Blanton, the Texas VW man, is legit because he gave us a five-star review. So if you guys want to get a shout out on the podcast, make sure you go and give us a review, five stars, and don't forget to review the podcast on the page. You can also do the same thing on our Facebook page, but on to letters to the show. This one's from Dan Summers. He says, uh, he's really enjoyed the pod last few episodes of the podcast, especially like the Lance B talk with Burley Burlow. I have an interview suggestion, uh, and Jamie Wiseman, builder of the Overland 69 bug. That's not a Baja, but it's an off-road build. Anyway, keep up the great work, Dan. Shout out to some people that also supported the podcast, Peter Clucky, Blake Hathaway, and Rob Briggs supported the podcast. So appreciate you guys out there supporting. Uh, next week, we'll be back to some interviews as normal. I've got some uh, pretty good stuff coming up in the pipeline, but just wanted to touch base on what was happening as of recent. So uh, you guys get out there in the garage, use that time wisely, get some cars out here. So when the next show season kicks open, which is going to be delayed a little bit, There'll be some devastating rides on the street. And most importantly, go in the garage, enjoy your hobby, and make your family part of it. Until next week, guys. Later.